Maryville, why don't you take a moment just to celebrate the Lord in this place. Amen. Father, we love you. We bless you. We lift you up. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you. You are holy, God. Hallelujah. You are holy. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing with me, if you will, for the reading of the word. We'll come back in just a little bit, so um, you can stay if you want to, or you can go sit down. I don't care. What's your name, bro? Dre, D-R-A-E, Dre, all right, Dre, if I forget it, come back when I say come back. Y'all coming back, right? This a comeback, right? This a comeback, right? It's a comeback, right? Amen. I don't know what the enemy meant when he did whatever he did, and you can blame whatever you want to blame on the enemy. I really don't care, but I can tell you one thing. There's one thing I know for sure, and that is the celebration of a comeback by the redemptive work and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and a risen Christ. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Take your Bibles out to Numbers chapter 11. I'm going to read a portion of this passage, and I'll come back to it towards the end of this message today, beginning in chapter 11, verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people of the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to them and took the spirit that was upon him, meaning upon Moses, and placed the same upon the 70 elders, and it happened. <laughs> Let me just stop right there for just a minute. I'm not going to preach on that right there for very long. But it happened is what we need to really sometimes open up our spirit to. There's a whole lot that God wants to happen, but we might not be ready to receive it. And we need to get in the receiving mode for when it happened. Hallelujah. It happened. Interesting passage. Let me find it. When the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Verse 26. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Elad, and the name of the other was Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them. The same Spirit, by the way, that rested on the 70, rested on those two. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out of the tabernacle, had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. We'll come back to that passage in just a minute. Father, I pray in the next few minutes you would open heaven. I pray, Lord, you would open my mind, my heart, my spirit only to your voice. Every other voice that would crowd and decide to distract today, I pray against that. And I ask you, Lord, that you let me be buried behind this cross today. Lord, I don't say that as words just to kind of give some kind of religious jargon or preacher talk. I say that because I am not even, Lord, able in myself to say what needs to be said. But I am confident today, Lord, you will use this for your good in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated if you like this morning. I'm going to speak a little different than I did last time I was here in the sense of I'm probably going to read more today than I have in the past. I have no idea what time you get out, and I think probably in the last 49 days you've forgotten as well. So stick around for a little while, and let's let the Lord touch us. Amen? Amen. And if you're watching us from online, that's great. We're glad you're here. Glad you're with us today. Pastor Paul is the real preacher in the house. Thank you, Pastor Paul, for giving me a chance to share my heart with these folks. My friend, I love you guys deeply. I am aware this morning that what I'm going to say could be misunderstood. So in order to avoid it being misunderstood, I would invite you to bring yourself into captivity of your mind and your heart and your spirit today and let God speak directly to you. Amen? I'm, con I'm convinced today that the Pentecostal experience, and you guys know what it is, and today is 49 days, I think, past Easter, something like that on the calendar. It indicates that it's the day of Pentecost, that we celebrate it. I don't know about you, but I celebrate Pentecost every day I pray. I celebrate Pentecost because without the power of the Holy Spirit, I would just be dormant and unable to do what I need to do in the kingdom work. Okay, we'll get back to that in just a minute. <laughs> but I'm convinced today that this Pentecostal experience is needed more today than ever before in our life. Amen. 
I'm going to go ahead and say it, lay it out there, put the big elephant in the room and say it this way, is what's happening right now a precursor or an uh, indicator that the end of time has come? I think the end of time was coming from the day it began. Okay, so let me just say it that way. Is the rapture close? I don't know. No man knows. Only Jehovah knows. But I know this, that there is a movement in the power and in the anointing and in the grace and in the authority of heaven. And we better align ourselves with the work of Jehovah if we don't want to miss what God's doing. Amen. I believe the Pentecostal experience is necessary for modern day. I'm concerned that we, the Pentecostal movement, see tongues as a macro and fulfillment of the Pentecostal experience when I believe that speaking in tongues is only the beginning of the process of the power of the Redeemer in the life of you and I. Amen. And yes, I celebrate and thank the Lord for the moments that he would give us a message and interpret it in a language in which we can understand. But please invite yourself today into a place where the Holy Spirit will speak clear to you and your family through you. While there are many roots of Pentecostalism revivals or Pentecostal revivals across this globe over the past 125, 130 years, much of my reference this morning will be regarding the Azusa Street, which we marked as the beginning of the Holy Spirit outpouring in North America. Some do. But here's what I know. That began in 1906 in Los Angeles. I don't know if you caught the news and what's going on in Los Angeles while you were asleep. But one thing I know, the Redeemer is alive and the Holy Spirit is still fire. And he is still able to move in our lives. Amen. This is particularly important because I want you to know that the number one revivalist noted in all history, noted in all writings from the Azusa, sea, Azusa Street and from all chronicles was an African-American pastor named William Seymour, a young man who found God and God found him. Hallelujah. And together they were ablaze, burning with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you are doing in this building today or what you're anticipating, but here's what I do know from the youngest to the eldest, from any color that was created, both male and female. God wants to pour out his spirit upon every one of us in this room. I do not know why we yell and scream and holler, Pastor Paul. We are not bad, or at least I am not, but I am full today for this church and for anybody who hears what we're talking about because this is what we need in this day. The common thread that we find out in the Chronicles of Azusa was simple. It was not phrases of I, it was phrases of they, he, she, we, us. It was not I or me or you. It was he, she, they, we, us, together. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Whew. I don't know if you're feeling as happy as I am. Thank you for sticking around. The Holy Spirit is a divine empowerment that only can occur, only can occur when God moves through the work of His Spirit. We need the same empowering move of God in present day. I'm going to group this in three particular areas this morning as I try to get through this in a reasonable amount of time. I want you, number one, to never forget God. Don't forget God. It's so easy to forget God. It's so easy to forget God. Yesterday, when was yesterday? Yesterday could have been 24 hours ago. It could have been almost a lifetime ago. But whatever it was, don't forget God. Whatever your mama and your grandmama and your great-grandparents may have told you about God, don't wait on what they told you about God. Find the same God that they had so that your children and your great-grandchildren to come will be able to know this Jehovah. I got a question for you this morning. It's simple. Have you received your Pentecost? I ain't talking about Pentecost in the sense of a general global term. Oh, yeah, we're going to get that. I'm talking about the Pentecost designed for you as an individual created in the likeness and the image of Almighty God so that you might be salt and light in a world of chaos. 
Just for clarity purposes, Pentecost is that 50th day after Passover. As noted in the Old Testament, the Passover is a Jewish tradition as a reminder of freedom from Egyptian bondage. I don't know about you, but I'm here to tell you all of the captivity of the world around me and oppressing us. I believe that we can still say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and he that opposes me will fall at the name of Jesus. Wow. As you know from scripture, it's very clear. John chapter 13, children, I'm with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews where I am going, you cannot come, Jesus said. Not for now. I will give you a new commandment. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Oh, it's easy to do, Pastor Paul. It ain't really easy to do. It ain't easy to do. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to love people and to love them again and again and again. Jesus said, just as I've loved you, oh my goodness, can I tell you how thankful I am that God did not love me with a conditional love. He loves me with an unconditional love. Why can't we love with an unconditional love? Just as I've loved you, you must love one another. By this all people, by this every tongue, by this every creed, by this every nation, by this gender male and female, by this... Every ethnic group I created will know, hallelujah, that you are my disciple, amen. If you don't love, you cannot call yourself a member of the kingdom of God. Oh, you can, but it will be proven that you are not. Boy, I am more more mad at the devil than I've ever been in my life. So when I yell and scream today and I look you in the eyeball, I'm not mad at you. I just want you to understand we got one more shot, one more chance, one more opportunity to say, come Jesus and feel me and use me in this world. After Jesus was resurrected to heaven, he told the same disciples, this is what was written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of your sin would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem that you are my witnesses. Say me. I am your witness. Lord, help me. Oh yeah, that's good. That's a good time to say me and I. The rest of the time, you need to say we and us. But while you're getting it right for you, say me and I. And then you say together, we and us. <laughs> I don't know about you. You should drive on the way home today be repeating that. Me and I got right at the altar so we and us can do what God wants us to do outside the building. Let me say that again because that ain't in my notes. Me and I got it right in the altar so we and us can do what we're called to do when we leave the building. Hallelujah. These are two principles that highlight the working of the Holy Spirit in the early church. As recorded in the scripture, in these same two principles were evident in the revival at Pentecost and the outpouring in the 1800s and the 1900s. And these same two principles of prayer and love will be what marks the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in 2020. Do I need to slow down? I think I do. So let's look at it in these three groups. Number one, don't forget God. Be careful that you don't forget your Lord. Deuteronomy says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by, fault, by failing to command, to keep his command. The ordinances and the statutes I'm giving you today. Be careful that you don't forget the God by failing in his commands. These words were spoken by God to the children of Israel during the 40-year journey that they were on the pursuit for the promised land. We can learn much from these few words. God knew of the challenges that we would be facing today. He knew of the challenges they would face as they arrived in a land of plenty. It would be so easy in our plentiful moments to forget God. Okay, you want to talk about it? Loss of jobs, loss of income, loss of food, loss of access to food, loss of whatever you want to add to it. Our world is diminishing before our eyes, and it's not going to get any better. We may have a season of plenty, but at the end, it's going to be terrible. You need to be aware of that. So between now and the end, you can be equipped and empowered with the Holy Spirit so that when people are lost, you can say, let me tell you about the giver of bread and the giver of life and the one who can bring the quail in if needed to feed you with meat for 30 days, number says. 
The passage of God warning his children against idolatry and self-sufficiency. I don't know where you've been for the last however many days we've been locked out. But this is one thing I do know. If you will come to Jesus today with everything that you have and say, not in my own might, not in my own ability. You see, the reality is, I heard my friend Jensen Franklin. He's not my friend. I just like to hear him preach. He doesn't know who I am. Actually, he does know me if he sees me, but we ain't friends like friends like me and Paul are friends. But anyway, I heard Jensen say the other day that the only reason you're not consumed in your sin is because of the redemptive love of Jesus Christ that wants to bring you to a place of repentance. I'm here to tell you, if you are not in a place that you can wake up every morning and lay down every night and say, it is well with my soul, then today is a day of opportunity. God is love. Amen. If you're eating stale, old years, past experiences, well, today's a comeback. What you left yesterday should stay yesterday. What you get tomorrow is dependent upon your pursuit today. You didn't hear that. What you left yesterday is gone. What you get tomorrow is dependent upon your pursuit today. The God I serve, Jehovah, the God of this book that we call the Bible, He is sufficient. He is loving, and he extends his mercies to us every day, fresh and new. There's a lot of gray hairs in this room, and I'm joining your club, and I love it. But I'm here to tell you, you gray-headed, and some of you lack a, lack a hair-headed, I'm telling you right now, God is still wanting to do the most majestic, powerful, mighty, awesome move you've ever seen in your life, and he wants to use you. The provision from the Lord and the children of Israel were experiencing was greater than the generation before them. You hear what I said? Huh. Our problems today, my wife and I were standing at the house last night. One of our sons was over and we were talking about, um, as we were watching the news, we were talking about in the days ahead, if God tarries, our grandchildren will read about what's happening in these days in the history books. My wife said to my son, Nicholas, she said, and Nick... One day you'll be able to say to your kids, I lived through that. I'm going to tell you something. If you lived through some stuff, you had not lived through what you've yet to live through. But you can count on what you've lived through and God's faithfulness to get you what you're fixing to live through as God's faithfulness. Do you understand that? Some of you need to be reminded and you need to stand up. And when you go home today with your family and your children, before you eat, say, gather around. Let me tell you something. 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, we didn't have anything and God showed up. And I want you to know that tomorrow we may not have anything, but God will show up in Jesus' name. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place today. There's only three, and I'm on number two. Hang in there. Don't forget God, number one. Number two, trust Jesus. Tis so sweet. Ain't you glad I ain't in your band? To trust in Jesus. To take him at something, his word. I don't do that part. I do. Y'all don't need it. There's a great song about trusting Jesus. So let me just tell you about it. Jesus demonstrates for the believers the greatest example of love ever known to man. You think somebody loves you and your family? Look again. Oh, they do. But look to the greater love. Look to the one who loves you more than you can even imagine. Look to the one who loves you greater than you can even demonstrate. I'm telling you right now, love was, it was the greatest example of love ever known because Jesus gave his life on a horrific death by a cross at the hand of cruelty. What are you saying, William? I'm saying they crucified him, but he got up. I'm saying they're going to crucify us, but we're going to get up. I'm saying you're going to come back. You're either going to come back and sit down, or you're going to come back, sit down, go home, be empowered, come back, get more, go home, give it away, come back, get more, go home, give it away, come back, get more, go home, and give it away. You know, there's a sign when you pull in the parking lot. It's a nicely new, nicely, I love the sign outside. I love the nice parking lot. I love the directional sign. Go to the right to the office and go to the left to some building over here, I don't know what it's called, like the Mana Center, something like that, and then go right here and find you a parking place if you want to keep going straight. 
But I'm going to tell you something. All the people that come to get the manna, that's great. Give them the manna. But you better start giving them some manna out of the depth of your spirit, out of the relationship that you have with Almighty when they can't get to a food line and they need the power of God and they're starving and they may die of lack. You can still say to them, there is a God who is greater than our lack and you may be feeble in the midst of that. And you say, but God is alive and I believe in him. While he was praying for us, the power of working through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in fresh demonstration where humanity is willing to trust him. This is possible because of the work of Jesus expressed in Romans chapter 8. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You know what? The Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that can give you words that you do not know, that you cannot utter without the power of the Spirit. And it is not for you. It is to be used through you to this world. Just like the children of Israel see in the new things, workings, provisions, substance, and manna. John chapter 14, I assure you, the one who believes in me and will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus left us, but he sent the Holy Spirit so that we can do greater works than he did. I believe in modern medicine. Oh, I do. I believe in the power of healing through medicine, but I also believe in the power of healing through the Word of God. Oh, if you're sick and you need medicine, by all means, take medicine. But before you ever get to that place, say, God, you raised me up today to do your work. God, you raised me up today to be light and salt in a world that's dying. You raised me up today, God, to reflect you to this world in need. Don't forget that the primary work of Jesus on the earth was to seek and save the lost through the power of love. Who's lost that you need to seek? Oh, you ain't Jesus. Don't get that wrong. You ain't Jesus. I ain't either. But we need to be doing the work of Jesus. Who in the world do you need to be seeking today? Who do you need to be seeking today to say to them, let me tell you, Jesus loves you. You know how lame it is to pray for somebody and not give them bread when you got bread in your pocket? It's pretty bad. But you know how bad it is just to give them bread and not pray for them? That's equally bad. I'm just saying. Be unashamed in your faith. Be unashamed in your expressions. Don't let these 40 for whatever days it was that put us on the sideline. I know exactly what day it was, March 14th, March 15th, or whatever it was. I remember it. I will never forget that day. Let me help you understand something. Whatever the enemy has plotted since that time in your life is not what he's going to continue to plot because there's much more that he wants to well against you. But I'm telling you, if you will grab a hold of the Messiah and grab a hold of the promise of the Spirit and allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he will raise you. Our culture seems to be full of people of trivial pursuits, wrapped in personal preferences, speaking without filters, creating confusion and division instead of being what we're called to be, reflections of Jesus in a world of chaos. I grew up in a very prejudiced racial time. I grew up in South Georgia. I grew up in a place where a young black kid who was my best friend, I can't explain to you why, but all of my friends in those days were most of them were black, and the ones that were white were typically considered the misfit like me. So let me tell you something. There's hope for misfits. It's a good time, but I'm telling you, my little black friend, I could go to his house. He could come to my house. I could go in his house. He couldn't come in my house. You know why he couldn't come in my house? Because I lived in the church parsonage. And because the people at the church didn't want the little black boy in the house. So my daddy, who was the preacher, you know what he did? He took us to Kmart. You know what Kmart is? It was a precursor to Walmart. It was bigger, and it was better, and it had blue light specials everywhere. And we went to Kmart, and my daddy bought two shiny flashlights and four brand-new batteries and a pup tent. You know what a pup tent? My son, Nicholas, or Benjamin, asked me the other day, because I posted about this on my social media, and he said, Dad, was it a pup tent or a pop-up tent? I said, Son, it was a pup tent. That was my generation, a little tent. That was about like this right here. You couldn't hardly get inside that tent without at least brushing up next to the person who was laying beside you in that tent. But my mama gave us two freshly pinned pillows. She gave us two fresh blankets. She gave us a pot of food for each of us and my daddy in the yard where the church people said, you can't bring that little black boy in that church. My daddy set us up a little tent and we had a wonderful time. But you know what the problem was with that? The little boy didn't know he couldn't go inside. 
But I knew he couldn't go inside. And I'm here to tell you there's a lot of racial problems in our world and whether you've done it or whether you've been a recipient of it or whether your color has marked you, you better get yourself into a place of forgiving and loving and accepting because the Creator created everybody in His image. Amen. And that's a whole, I might as well just say this and go home, Pastor Paul. Because if there's any religious folk in here, I'm going to get stoned. It's a whole lot easier just to clap about it and yell about it than to do it. But we better get in the business of doing it. You better quit the racial stuff that has locked you in and understand that the people who may have been the one who preached the gospel that caused the power of the Holy Spirit to fall that you so much love was a black man. His name was William Seymour and he found God and God found him and he spoke a word and that word became life. Get out of your racial mess. It's not in the notes. Sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Get out of your racial mess. The world is jacked, and the world needs us to be people who will stand unashamed upon the principle of the Bible, which says that he created male and female. It doesn't really say anything about where they came from. It just says they all came. Hallelujah. And everyone that will come after was still made in his image. My 16-day-old grandbaby boy, who I held in my arms last night, created in the image of Almighty God. Modern-day Pentecostals are proud of our willingness to keep the command of Christ alive through ceremonial expressions. We need to be proud about keeping the power of the Holy Spirit alive through our obedience. This is one day. Pentecost. Oh, but what a lifetime it can bring. <laughs> After demonstrating a life of service to others, Jesus assured the disciples that his departure was necessary for the Holy Spirit to come. You see, Jesus is the right hand of the Father right now, if you know the Scripture, interceding for you and I. The Holy Spirit is moving around, however he moves around, to inhabit us. Number three. Number one, don't forget God. Number two, trust Jesus. Number three, embrace the Holy Spirit. In the opening remarks of this message, I stated that prayer and love are two principles that are essential to experiencing Pentecost. Prayer brings the work of the Spirit, and the work of the Spirit enables us to love like Jesus did. Because when we pray, we're shaped in the image of Jesus. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. I don't know. I only know what mine looks like. Some days it's great, some days it's bad. I'm the determinant of that, not you. But here's what I know. We are shaped in the image of Jesus when we pray and we're shaped in the image of Jesus when we witness and we become like Jesus when we love. The book of Acts reveals to us the work of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit through the, right, through the willing disciples. Moments before his ascension, Jesus reminded his disciples, you receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Everywhere you go, you will be my witness. If you are not his witness, you are not his child. Sorry. How can you be his child and not be his witness? Well, I got quiet, so let me just stay quiet. Imagine with me for a minute what it would look like for security, your strength. Your source of hope, your teacher, your best friend, and even your Messiah to disappear in front of you. Just like that. That just happened to the disciples. Their teacher, he left them. Their friend, he left them. Their faithful one, he left them. But he did not leave them alone. He promised for one to come after he left. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying and began to pray. All these disciples were continually united in prayer, according to Acts, along with the women, including Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. I don't know how many days he prayed in the upper room. Some scholars will say 10 days. I wasn't there. I don't really know. I don't really know that the days matter. What matters is they were humble and broken and repentant and obedient and willing. See, God can do in a second what you can't do in a lifetime. And God may take a lifetime to do in you because you're not really pliable. Lord, help us to be pliable. 
But this I do know in Acts 2 and 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Just as a prayer was mighty, it was primary in Jesus' day, it's also primary in the Azusa revivals and continues a priority today. Historical records from Azusa reports this. That the seekers would pray continuously for long hours in the day. At times they would come in shifts seeking God. Where did we go? How did we get so modern that we don't really need to dedicate time? I'm asking questions that only you can answer if they apply to you, by the way. So don't think I'm being accusatory because I'm not. I'm just inviting you. I'm inviting you on a journey of confession. I'm inviting you on a journey of dependence. I'm inviting you on a journey to say, God, we need you. They were seeking God, not necessarily the Holy Spirit. They were seeking God, not necessarily the Holy Spirit. Don't misunderstand that. You need the Holy Spirit, but if you seek God, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. If you seek the Holy Spirit, you might miss what God's really wanting to do. Oh, if you don't have the Holy Spirit as we know it as initial evidence of speaking in tongues, yeah, go for that. But I'm telling you this right now. You get in tune with God, God will get in tune with you, and God will put himself upon you. Page 62 in the book On Fire on the Earth reads it this way from Azusa Chronicles. I was converted nine years ago and got a no-so salvation. No guesswork about it. I repented of my sins, forsook them, accepting the Lord as my Savior, praise God. A few years later, I fasted and prayed for about three days. During that time, I put off the old man, Adam. During that time, get this, I put off the old man, Adam, in the form of the inbred sin, and God came in and destroyed the devil's workshop by casting his tools on the outside. Praise God, I got a real evidence that I was sanctified and the blood applied. After that, I received the baptism with the Holy Ghost and fire, and now I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost, not only in my heart, but in my lungs, my hands, my arms, and all through my body. And at times, I am shaken like a locomotive, steamed up and prepared for a long journey. Oh, it is blessed to let the Lord have his way with you. <laughs> Don't misunderstand. Seymour, he was tormented beyond torment. Second day in Los Angeles, cast away. Second day in Los Angeles, told he can't come back. You know he did? Came back. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. The enemy wants you to think it's over. But I'm telling you right now, we're just getting steamed up like a locomotive that can't stop because it's going in the power and the authority and the spirit and the anointing of Almighty God. Azusa Chronicler, Chronicler Frank Barterman said this, Seymour, the recognized leader, spent much of his time behind the pulpit with his head inside the top shoebox praying. An unpretentious man, he recognized his own need for the continual guidance and strength of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what the shoeboxes were like in 1906. But this old pulpit, made for this purpose, kind of might have think it might have been something like this, Pastor Paul. Seymour went in behind the pulpit, buried his head in a shoebox so nobody else could see him, and he prayed for the power and the anointing and the authority and the outpouring and the infilling of the Holy Spirit to come. I'm here to tell you, we better get comfortable with getting down on our knees, on our face, with our head down before God and say, use me, God, feel me and pour out your spirit on me. In addition to these continued meetings being marked by prayer, they were also evidence of love. History accounts state that the male, female, blacks, whites, Hispanics, people of all groups and all ethnics came together to seek God. And as a result, the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit blew and blew all across this land we call home. Amen. Dr. Eddie Hyde said it this way, although dramatic spiritual manifestations captured the attention of general public, Walking in God's love was the primary emphasis of Azusa Street. I'm just going to get really, really practical, as if I haven't been for just a minute. 
Why don't you just pause wherever you're going? You know what, you know what this whole COVID thing's done for me? Made me real mad. But aside from that, you know what else it's done? I drove 55 miles an hour here today when it said 55. I drove 40 through Inglewood. I don't ever do that. I have a privilege. I shouldn't have a privilege. I have a privilege. I can talk my way out of normal things. I shouldn't do that, but I, I speed more than I should ever speed. I'm just going to make a confession right here. Because, see, I want the Holy Spirit to come in just a minute, so I'm going to go ahead and confess it right now so I can say, Holy Spirit, come in just a minute. I don't ever drive the speed limit. Don't hear that, children. Wesley, still drive the speed limit. Please, your mama will be worried about you. I don't ever drive the speed limit. I'm always faster than that. Yeah. But the COVID thing has slowed me down. Plus, my gas mileage on my truck goes a little bit faster, a little bit better the slower I go. My wife told me yesterday I scared her to death. I stopped in the middle of the street to do something. Got my phone out. I'll make a note. I stopped in the middle of the street, wanted a parking lot, just in the middle of the road. She said, you're scaring me. So here's the deal. Slow down, guys. Slow down. I'm a fast-paced joker telling you to slow down. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he is doing. Listen to him tell you, you need to love people. You know what the most important thing you can do right now? Hold the door for somebody else when you're walking in somewhere. Because everybody's scared to death. They're going to grab a handle like that right there. Why don't you just use your foot to open the door and say, I hope you have a nice day. Oh, they weren't close to me. They were only two feet away. It's a six-foot distance right now in case you ain't figured it out. What would it hurt you to wait on somebody to walk from here to that, from that side of the building all the way over here? Stop and listen and listen and look and let God speak to you so that the power of the Holy Spirit can do the work through you. Paul, I have no idea what time it is, but I'm almost done. I'm so sorry. Listen to this quote. Azusa Street. Divine love was wonderfully manifest in the meetings. They would not even allow an unkind word. They would not allow an unkind word. If you're not careful, the enemy will plot inside of you an unkind word to say against somebody before you leave this building. You know how I know that? Because he's been plotting those seeds in my own life. They would not, plot an un they would not allow an unkind word said against any of their oppressors. You hear me? Azusa Street Revival where the Holy Spirit came and lit fire across our land, and they were rejected from previous churches two days earlier. They wouldn't allow an unkind word against the oppressor who beat them and threw them out and cast them away. They wouldn't allow it. Why do you think they wouldn't allow it? Because it was seeds of division, and Jesus came not to divide, but he came to align, and he came to unite, and we need to be in the same business. The message was the love of God. It was a sort of a first love of the early church return. The baptism was we received in the beginning did not allow us to think, speak, or hear evil of any man. Since your baptism, since that indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life, what's the fruit that comes out of you? Oh, you're saying we ain't human. No, we're human. That's why every day we need to say, God, please. Please, I am crucified with the Christ, Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified in Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live through faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Pray that every day and see what happens in your life. The baptism, as we received it in the beginning, did not allow us to think, speak, or hear evil of any man. We knew the moment we had grieved the Holy Spirit by an unkind thought or word. We seemed to live in a sea of pure, divine love. These last words of Jesus said to the disciples should radiate throughout our souls today. The key to understanding that we are to walk in love. This word this morning is to be aware that God is love. That Jesus is the greatest example of love. And the Holy Spirit gives humanity the ability to love one another. I don't care what the curse is that was against you. I don't care what the offense was that was against you. 
And I can say that to you because I got plenty of offenses that have been done against me. I don't care what it was. Here's what I'm telling you. You better get serious about the business of saying, I will love those that are deemed unlovable by our humanity. In case you missed it thus far as we get ready to close, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring humanity into the likeness of Jesus. No other reason. So that the world may know that God loves them. Yes, baptism of the Holy Spirit does include speaking in tongues or as some call it a biblical language. But caution here, our pursuit is not the tongue, but it's the Jesus, it's the Father, it's the power of God that can work in us. My friend, church historian Dr. Lewis Morgan says it this way. Tongues is demonstration of your willingness to surrender your life to be like Christ. Last couple of days in my life were pretty rough. I was really sick, not COVID sick. My wife asked me if it was depression. I don't know. All I want to do was sleep for the last two days. I didn't sleep, but everywhere I turned, I got heavy eyes and got heavy heart. I really just wanted to crash. I didn't care. I know what it was. I think the enemy was trying to get me down from this message this morning. But here's what I want you to understand. And please hear me today. Please, please, please hear me today. It's hard to hate somebody that you're praying for. Oh, I heard amens and I saw whispers of amens and I saw heads look up that had not looked up yet. It's hard to hate somebody that you're praying for because your prayer will take out that bitterness and that seed and that bed of hate. It's hard to ignore the needs of others when you're praying for them because when you're praying those needs become more visible than you've ever seen them it's hard to be unforgiving when you're praying because you're made aware of when Jesus forgave you Azusa Street Papers calls the last days this way Apostolic power will mean apostolic persecution. Hell with its power will be turned loose. It behooves us to get a spiritual backbone, a spiritual stamina, and a stick to itiveness that will enable us to stand in these last days against all the forces of the enemy. Jesus came to destroy all the works of the devil. And he shall be and, and he said, He, meaning Jesus, will give us power. The Holy Ghost coming upon us, the same power that Jesus had. I'm going to go back to Numbers chapter 11. I read a while ago, verse 24 through verse 26. Let me remind you just briefly. Children of Israel, frustrated with Moses, had more food, better food in the previous land than where they were headed. Here's the problem. God had better food. Oh, we won't meet. We won't meet. Read the Bible. It's pretty interesting. God took a wind and blew it, and in come the quail. Oh, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. It's pretty wild. Read this book, man. It's better than any movie you've ever seen. I'm telling you right now. In come the quail. Lots of them. Enough they could have meat, plentiful meat, more meat than they needed, actually, for 30 days. Read the book. It'll tell you all that cool stuff. But let me start back with chapter 11, verse 27. Verse 26, actually. I'm going to read the last of the ones I read earlier. But two men had remained in the camp, the name of the one Eladad and the name of the other Medad, and the Spirit rested upon those two. They were among those listed of the 70, but they did not go into the tabernacle, which was the church, yet they prophesied in the camp, which was house or home. Verse 27. And a young man ran up to Moses... And he said, Elad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Don't you like a tattletale? This is hilarious. Get ready. We're getting ready to pray maybe in about two minutes. Just hang tight. I can see it now. Moses, them two that didn't come are praying. <laughs> them two that didn't come, they're prophesying. Them two that didn't come, they're not in the tabernacle. They're still at home on the recliner. 
Don't let the enemy cause you to be a tailbearer. All right, we got to deal with that one. 28. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Don't let those two that didn't come with the others do the work of God. You watching this? It's really interesting right here. Forbid them. Verse 29. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. <laughs> oh, 70. God told him, Moses, get 70. Bring them around me. Get them around the camp. And I'll take some of that fire, which is resemblance of the Holy Spirit in Old Testament day, off of you, and I'll put it on the 70 so they can prophesy. I don't think the other two, Pastor Paul, stayed home out of disobedience. I think it's a greater lesson than that. I think it's a lesson of a heart hungry, God will fill. A heart willing, God will trust. A heart in obedience, God will use. And it's so easy for us to say, if they're not within our banner, God help us. I ain't talking about Church of God banner. I ain't talking about none of that. I'm talking about the way that humanity allows ourselves to justify our greaterness than somebody else. You are not greater than anybody else under any circumstances greatest advice I ever received from my dad the day I graduated college looked me in my eyes and he said son this doesn't make you any smarter than me my dad quit school in the sixth grade went to the field took care of his family never went back to the classroom don't make you any smarter than me son but it opens doors for you that I'll never get a chance to walk through and it has but here's what I'm telling you God wants to use this church you got a bright new sign and a freshly painted parking lot. Week two of opening, correct? What will the world see when you go home? What will the world see when they hear and see the celebration of what took place right here on the stage? Or will they see a heart that said, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, feel me fresh today. They would let no unkind word against anyone come. The two that stayed home had the same feeling as the 70, if the math is right, maybe the 68 that came to the tabernacle. Oh, we got a stay home business going on in church right now. You know what a stay home business is not about? It's not about you staying home and being comfortable at your couch. If you choose to stay home, I don't know where the cameras are at. So if you're people and you're staying home, that's great. Don't stay home just in the casualty of your home. Stay home and get on your knees in the next few minutes in your house, like I'm going to invite this church to do in this building, and say, God, I need you right now in my life. Last time I was at this church, I think I said something to you like this. May your latter days be greater. And I remember you two people right here, the man with the yellow shirt and the brown coat and the lady next to him, pretty as you can be. I remember y'all. And I remember the power of God on you that day. You're greater, greater than your former. Latter days be greater than your yesterday. You know how they received that power? They were open. You know how they got that power? They were praying. you've not found yourself a shoebox it might be a good day to do so <sighs> this church is very free in the spirit but I'm here to tell you church you don't need to be free in the spirit just for the sake of being free in the spirit you need to be free in the spirit so that you can be empowered by the spirit so that when you walk out of this building you can be sensitive enough to open a door so that what you can do is you open that door, you can just whisper, come Holy Spirit, touch, heal, deliver.
set free, empower. <laughs> you know what happened? Peter's shadow healed people. Not his shadow, but the God of his shadow. Stand with me all across this building. I don't know how you do this stuff nowadays. We're we, we back to a new place. I don't know nothing about it. What I do know is this. Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that he was on the outpouring day in that upper room. And the Holy Spirit wants to do fresh and mighty and great and awesome stuff in your life. So what I'm going to invite you to do today is this praise team worships. I'm going to invite you to find yourself a place to worship. If you want to get down on your face right where you are, find yourself a shoebox. If you want to come up here, I don't really care. Doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you're willing to say, God, I need you to fix me, hallelujah, so that I can be an instrument of peace in a world of chaos. Bartiman, Seymour, and all the others didn't have the conveniences we have. You know what that means, Pastor Paul? As you're doing, we better use our conveniences for our pulpit. But you better have something to give them when they reach out. You see, we're all about this. Can't touch you no more stuff. That's okay. I got no problem with that. What I got right now is that you can have the power of the Holy Spirit so great in you that when you whisper, <laughs> I saw over here a while ago a couple little no audible noise came out. They just said, it was amen. It was like, amen. <laughs> you know what? I believe you can do that. And the power of God come in such a mighty way, hallelujah, that they begin to shake uncontrollably. It ain't about the shaking, but it's about the results of the infilling and the shaking. You with me? It's not about what you feel. It's about what you know. And my daddy said it this way. He said, I know in my knower. You know what his knower was? It was down in here where nobody could argue with the power of the relationship and the experience that he had. You better know in your knower today that it is not going to get any better in our world. Hear me. You haven't even seen the torment we're going to experience. You've not even seen the stuff that's coming our way. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's because it puts my appetite for heaven greater than my convenience of this world. But in all of that, I say, come, Lord Jesus. Feel me, Holy Spirit. Consume me, Jehovah, and make me a light in this dark world. Dre, whatever y'all got, man. Bankrupt, help, 